When Mary saw Jesus, she fell at his feet, and he had compassion on her. Now it's here we get the shortest verse in the Gospels, in the entire Bible in fact, John 11.35, which says simply, Jesus wept. Then Jesus led his grieving friends over to an ancient tomb here in Bethany. This location has been recorded as the tomb of Lazarus, going all the way back to the historian Eusebius in 330 AD. A large stone blocked the tomb's entrance. People must have been shocked when Jesus told them to take away the stone. In fact, Martha objected. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. According to Jewish tradition, Lazarus' body would have been wrapped in linens and scented with oils, but the Jews did not embalm their dead. Thus, the perfumes only lasted so long. Now picture the scene. Still wrapped in his grave clothes, Lazarus stumbled out of the tomb and into the light. It was the fulfillment of Jesus' earlier promise to Martha that if she believed, she would see the glory of God. But for the Jewish religious leaders, this miracle provoked a crisis. That is the actual location of Bethany, where we're going to find ourselves in Luke today, where Mary and Martha lived with their brother Lazarus. What's amazing, if you have heard the story or know the story of the resurrection, to know that it's an actual location, there's an actual place that archaeologists have found that is a Lazarus tomb. What's even more amazing is that Luke, who has all kinds of material he can include in his account decides not to include the resurrection story. You'd think that one would have made the cut. Where we are in Luke today is we are in Bethany, same location, with Mary and Martha, same characters. But Luke records in Luke 10, 38, and 42 an event that's going to occur a couple months prior to Jesus raising Lazarus. But he leaves that out. It's John who tells us that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So with that in mind, let's ask this question. Why would Luke leave out the resurrection story and put in a house cleaning story? Like that's the one that made the cut we're going to read about today. Mary and Martha having a little dispute, a little spat about how to clean the home. Why in the world does Luke include this one and not that one? Well, I think it's because Bethany, archaeologists tell us, would look something like this in its day. I think the principle that Luke discovers for us in this house cleaning story applies to you no matter what town you're from, no matter what time period you live in. What he uncovers is something we all struggle with all through time. 
And it's this idea that people can be left out in the name of a program. That busyness can become a priority over intimacy. That activities, important activities, good activities, can become more important than than intimacy and being around the people and with the people that you know. I mean, think about your marriage. How have you said we wanted to be a great husband or a great wife and the activity of all the kids and shuffling them everywhere? We, we became good parents, but in doing so, we, we left out the person we coveted to to be a great spouse. Not because of bad things, but because of all the activity. Or maybe you've been retired or you're worried about retirement. Or you've seen your parents retire. And you've noticed that your, your parents are both in the house Like they're in the house together, hours upon hours, but they don't really hang out together. They're watching TV, one upstairs and one downstairs, two different shows. One's working in the sewing room and the other one is dawdling in the garage doing whatever he does in the garage. And, And you notice what's like called parallel play. They're living parallel lives like roommates and they got lots of activity going on. But there's not a lot of intimacy going on. Or how about with family? You ever, you ever had with family the, the program becomes more important than the people? You're on your way to Florida and you decide you're going to drive, right? So you've got to pray. We've got to be there. If we leave by now, we can be there by 7 p.m. Go, 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 go. Come on, get in the car, get in the car. We've got to be there by 7 p.m. People are getting in the car. Come on, what are you doing? We're not going to be late. You start yelling at your kids. You start talking. We've got to get there at 7 o'clock so we can have a happy family vacation. And the whole time, no, going to the bathroom. No, drinks. Here's some gum. No, you've got to wait another hour, right? Go, 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 go. And the family vacation clearly doesn't start until we arrive because the way we're talking to the people along the way isn't creating a lot of family memories except someone mocking us and impersonating us for many years. And I've done that. The program became more important than the people. How often with God do we focus on serving God? discerning God's will, doing what God would want us to do, and all the activities of ministry, all the activities of spiritual activity. And yet we don't have any time, or we didn't prioritize actually hanging out with, learning to commune with, knowing how to connect with God himself. How many would say we love our employees, they're our greatest asset, and yet we got so many meetings and so many strategies going on, we can't remember the last time we could take an employee out and say, how are you doing? What's really going on? Not because we're doing anything bad, it's just because the program becomes more important than the people. I think that's why Luke includes this, and I think the principle he's going to unpack for us is that when honoring the guest... The act, a good thing, honoring, by the way, when honoring the guest of honor becomes more important than being with the guest of honor, we got a problem. When honoring the activity of honoring the guest of honor becomes more important than actually being with the guest of honor. And we all do this. It's more prevalent in our society today than probably any time in history. Activity over intimacy. So I want to give you three tests. And each one's going to be a little more convicting. We'll try and bring some humor into let the, the pain <laughs> go down in this. 
But Jesus doesn't want you and I to miss the best part of family, the best part of relationship with God, the best part of connection. Don't miss the best part because you chose the good part. The first test. The first test is this. When what I'm doing for you is about me as much as it is about you. Now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village, kind of abstract, certain village. Could happen in anyone's village. And when they arrived there, a certain woman, kind of abstract, just a certain woman named Martha was there. And Jesus is about to show up at their house. God is about to visit. And now the language changes as Martha welcomes him. And we learn that Martha loves Jesus, welcomes Jesus, has a heart for Jesus. Martha is celebrated in this passage as one who welcomes and wants to show hospitality to Jesus. But now the language changes because she welcomes him into her house. And her house represents far more than just her house. It's a sign of her love. It's a sign of her welcoming. It's a sign of her hospitality. And Martha is what we're going to find out. She is going to be distracted from being with Jesus because she's so worried about honoring Jesus. Because it's her house and it's her appreciation for him. It's her welcoming of him. All these good things like service and hospitality and caring and love become the thing that keeps her from actually hanging out with Jesus when he arrives. Now, I know this doesn't happen in your house. Let me just admit that it happens in our house. We're about to have family come over. And we can't wait to see family. Because we as a family have the gift of hospitality. But before the family comes over, it's like a week of yelling at each other, clean up this thing, why can't you do that? And we end up like berating all the family we care about in order to prepare for the family who's coming in. This doesn't happen at your house, but it happens at ours. And so there's just like fight, 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 fight. Oh no, somebody's coming in. It's going to be a big fight. Now, when my mom comes in town, my mom is not a cleaner. That doesn't mean anything to her. It's not important to her. And so I'll say, why why do we have to clean up so much? My mom doesn't even care. Because we need to show her hospitality and let her know how much we love her. Oh. Okay. And so what will happen is I'll start to judge my wife. And I'll say, man, I hope she's reading Luke 10 and is at this message this weekend. Because she needs to learn about Luke. And that Martha was so busy serving and cleaning and Jesus has to rebuke her for it. And there's this tendency in all of us to think that, oh, 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 my spouse who's more detailed has got a problem. But I want to let propose that we need to let this principle convict all of us. Because what my wife would say is that what I'm doing is about them, the people coming over. But there's some inner anxiety in there. And look what that principle is. When what I'm doing for you, it is for you. But it's also about me, how I come across, how my home looks, what it says about me. And in the same way my wife might do it in serving, I will do it in different ways because I love activity. And I'll come home, all right, I'm home. What should we do something tonight? Let's go. Let's go jet skiing. Let's go kayaking. Everybody want to go jet skiing? And sometimes people are like, yeah, I'd love to go. Other times on the couch is like, everybody's looking kind of tired. And my wife would be like, hey, honey, I'm not sure everybody wants to go jet skiing. Yes, they do. This is what good families do. They hang out together. They have fun together. Go, 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 go. 
I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for the family. Maybe. Or maybe what I'm doing for them is as much about me, what I need, my need for activity, as it is about them. See, we all have a flavor of this. Yours might be cleaning. Yours might be pacing. Yours might be managing. But it's worth asking yourself, is what I'm doing here really about them? Then why if they say, don't get stressed about this, am I still doing this? And this begins to come a little more clear as we open the passage up. Which brings us to our second point. There's a big difference between being around somebody and being with somebody. Big difference between being around someone and being with someone. So she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Did you notice that? Remember, Mary, Mary loves Jesus. Jesus, come on in. So good to see you. And Mary sat to listen to Jesus. And Martha sat and welcomed Jesus. Jesus, tell me what's God been doing. You've got 12 disciples now. What have what you guys been up to? Where have you been? There's just some great stories going on between Martha and Mary and Jesus. And right now, she's not just around Jesus, she's with Jesus. But she's going to become distracted by good things. The Bible doesn't say her hospitality is bad, doesn't say her serving is bad. I mean, it's serving and hospitality, for crying out loud. It just calls it a distraction. And often in life, what distracts us in marriage, what distracts us from God, is rarely a bad thing. It's some good thing that replaced the most important thing. And so Martha will leave her time with Jesus. She'll still be around Jesus in the home, but not with Jesus. She runs back. She realizes, oh, you brought all 12 disciples? Oh, my goodness. And suddenly she is distracted with much serving. I didn't realize you're bringing the whole group. Oh, my goodness. She runs back and she's throwing bread in the oven. She's getting stuff going over there. And she's sweeping up because we didn't know we were going to have to open up that room this day. And she's running over here and, and she's grabbing a couple more cups. All of which is a great thing. All of which is a sign of Martha's heart for Jesus and his heart for those who are around them. But it says she's distracted from the main thing with a good thing. And this is what happens, whatever flavor you have, is that you lose the, enjoy, you lose the ability to enjoy people, to be with people, because you're distracted. And has there ever been a time in history when there are more distractions from being with the people we live with or work with? Have you lost the ability to be with people? Because out of that comes a couple more emotions. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that I'm serving you? Do you not care that no one's helping? Do you not care that I'm the one doing it all the time? Now, hasn't that come out of your mouth? 
Haven't you said the people who didn't share your priorities, who weren't doing your program and your plan and what needs to be done, haven't you said out loud, felt very emotional about it, in fact, it was genuine. Does anyone care how hard I work around here? And then she feels very alone. Lord, do you not care that my sister... It's not just that I'm working hard and I don't feel cared. She, she has left me alone. I feel alone in this priority. I feel lonely. I feel like I'm the only one who gets it. I bet you whatever your priority is, you have imposed that on somebody else. You get it, they don't. And then if you're like me, you have the ability to take your priorities baptize them in the Bible, and not only are they your priorities, they're God's priorities. You genuinely believe, genuinely know, that you will stand before God one day, and He will look at you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And turn to your sister, to your spouse, to your husband, to your kids, and say, Listen to them. Look how Mary says it. Therefore, Jesus, tell her what she should know. Tell her to help out around here. Jeesh. And Jesus answered and said to her. Now, I've had all these come out of me. Inability to enjoy people. Feeling other people don't care. Feeling alone in my priorities while I'm distracted. And a genuine belief that I know better than you and God would endorse my side of the argument. Here's what these emotions might look like if you feel them. (laughs) So distracted. I'm serving people, but I'm irritated about it. I've got to get the hospitality, but don't look at my face while I'm giving it. I feel very self-righteous because I know better than you and God would be on my side. These are not the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if you realize that. These are not the fruit of the Spirit. And yet, that's a way you can indicate. And again, I don't want to impose my personality. I'll talk about how screwed up I am in a second. But whatever flavor you have, Martha is running around near Jesus, parallel playing with Jesus, but not with him. I remember I went to Hawaii for our 15-year anniversary. We get there, and there is this beautiful crater that we're hiking our way through. And we're hiking our way through this, and we come up on the mountains, and it's going to be sunrise in a few moments. And here comes the sunrise. Oh, my goodness. Right across the mountains, right into the crater where we're at. And my wife and I are both like, wow. Is there anything we've ever seen more beautiful than this? And there's a family hiking with their kids right next to us. And the husband and wife, as the sun comes up over the mountains, like, wow. And their kids are right there with them in the moment. And I look over at the, the mom, wow. The dad, oh. And I look at the two teenagers. <laughs> We're watching a very incredible sunrise here in Hawaii. Wish I was there. They were around each other, but not with each other. And don't we all do that? In fact, don't we as adults do that as much as our kids now? Oh, we'll talk about how our kids are on their phones all the time, and they are, but aren't we 
watching TV with our spouse while actually doing something else on our other device. We've got a term for it, you know, two devices, the two screens. How often in a given day are you with the people you're with rather than being around them? There's an old urban legend. It's an urban legend, but the story goes like this, and it has the same point. There's a couple in Boston. They're going to christen their daughter, and so they decide to have a great celebration for the christening. They invite the priest over. They invite all their friends over, and so the frantic, they're getting it all ready. So thank goodness if you have a newborn or remember a newborn, she fell asleep at just the right time. Mom's like, hey, uh, honey, can you go in and check on him? She goes and checks on him. He's gone for a little bit. Okay, she's back asleep. She's back asleep. Let's go back to preparations. Get the, getting the whole thing prepared. They're all ready. Food's coming. Ding dong. First person comes in. Oh, it's so good to see you. How long's it been? Thanks for coming to the christening. Great. Throw your coat down. Come on in. Here's some nachos. I eat some nachos, catching up story after story. Ding dong, ding dong. Oh, more people came. We got, grab some more ice. Lots of flurry of activity. Hey, come on in. Throw your coat down. Put it in the living room. Put it in the closet, whatever you need. Come on over. Hey, John, have you met so and so? And just lots of activity. Activity, lots of energy. So as the urban legend goes, about an hour into it, it's now time. The priest shows up. It's time to christen the baby girl. And mom says, well, let me go in and get her. Where is she? Well, uh, she woke up in the crib, so I laid down with her on the bed. Uh, so she fell asleep on the bed. Why don't you go get her? Mom walks in, screams. as she realized that all the guests had thrown their coats and scarves and smothered the child. It's an urban legend. And it's usually told at Christmas, and then the pastor gets real animated and says, And that is why we need to get rid of all the activity, the reason for the season we're smothering Jesus at Christmas. That's usually how it's preached. But I think the point is still the same as a story. The guest of honor got smothered by the activity of honoring the guest of honor. Haven't you done that? Haven't you in the activity of life lost track of what really is important? Test two, are you around people but not with people? And test number three is a reminder really, do you really believe that the guest of honor is more important than honoring the guest of honor? Like, do you really fundamentally believe that? Because I'm not sure I always do. That honoring the guest is not as important as being with the guest of honor. Which is where Jesus turns and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. Again, Jesus is so compassionate. Martha, Martha. Often when a name is repeated twice, it's for emphasis. Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Martha, Martha. I know you love me. I know you're serving me. I know you're trying to to take care of me. I just, what's coming out of you, I see a lot of worry. And you're worried about, about, and you're troubled about many things. But Mary, now you're expecting him to say, and Mary is way off base. She needs to get with the program. I mean, how bad is it? It's bad enough when your sister or your brother's right. I mean, like, who ever wants your brother or sister to be right, let alone to Jesus to say they're right? I mean, this is like a worst-case scenario, isn't it? One thing is needed, he says. 
doesn't mean serving isn't important. doesn't mean honoring isn't important. But in this situation, one thing is needed. One thing is the most important. One thing should have been prioritized. Simplicity in serving so that you could be with me. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, the best part. She didn't get distracted by good things, so she couldn't enjoy the main thing. And Jesus says, and this will not be taken away from her. How often have distractions and good things taken you away from the best things? Some of you have lost someone in the last year or years. Your mom, a grandmother. I had a call this week with a family. Three times I called and prayed with a family that just like that lost a husband and lost a dad. Could you pray for us? We didn't see this coming. We're just grief stricken. So think of whoever that person is in your life that you've lost. Now think of all the time you spent around them those last years. You were in the same town, but never got together. You were in the same country, but never flew to see each other. You were in the same house, watching different TV shows. In the flurry of activity, good things, you missed out on such precious time it was taken from you if you could travel back in time to tell yourself there's only a year left you've only got one more month what would you tell you about how to spend your time wouldn't you say I know that stuff seems urgent I know that stuff seems important it's not Compared to the little time you have to be with your dad, your grandpa. And it's like this, and your kids are grown. I got a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And it's like this, the time is gone. How much time was I around them, near them, but not with them? My mom is so good at this. My mom, even to this day, so great at enjoying people. She knows how to listen to people. She cares about people. She knows how to bring out your heart in a way that I don't know anyone who can because she's with you. She wants to know what you're thinking about, what you're wondering about, what you're worried about. And I was a walking party as a kid, high school and college. I just always had people coming over. Mom's like, bring people over all the time. I'll keep the drinks stocked. And so I had parties coming in. We were playing euchre tournaments and volleyball tournaments and playing volleyball in the swimming pool. Just had people over all the time. In fact, my parents even played euchre with us. They were part of the party. And my mom was like, listen, Chad, invite people over anytime you want, whenever you want, because if they want to see us, come over anytime. If they want to see the house, make an appointment and we'll clean it. And that highly influenced me. Now, I'm a horrible house cleaner. 
My mom did not teach me to clean well, and she would be here today to say we're both horrible at it. So much so that there's times that I'll be like, hey, I want to surprise my wife, really bless my wife. I'm going to clean up the kitchen. And so I'll like spend the morning cleaning up the kitchen. I'm mopping it. I'm washing it all down. And she comes down. I'm ready for her to be surprised. She comes down. Hey, honey, it's good to see you. Hey, uh, if you get some time today, um, could you clean up the kitchen? Like, I'm so bad at it that I just did, and she nicely asked me to clean the kitchen. So, again, I am not imposing my personality on the text. I hope not. Because though my mom taught me how to enjoy people, and though cleaning is not my way of missing people, my dad is the most productive man in the whole world. Most productive man in the whole world. He will sit and enjoy playing maybe a game or two, not more than two, with you. And then there'll be a lull in the conversation. I don't know what a lull is to you, but for my dad, a lull sounds like this. One, one thousand. That's a lull. Well, sounds like we're not talking about anything important. Sounds like uh, not a lot going on. And in a lull, my dad will poof, disappear. He's like a magician. Poof. Where did Ross go? He was just here. And you look around and you'll hear like, you might see Ross now. Open the screen door. Oh, he's mowing the lawn. There was a lull, so my dad's mowing the lawn, which he can mow, by the way, in two minutes and 32 seconds. He's timed it. He has cut the entire lawn so that there are no corners. Everything is rounded so that his riding lawnmower can cut it as fast as possible. So being productive and getting stuff done is very, very important to me because I've been influenced by my dad to get stuff done. So though I may not be distracted to clean, I'll be distracted by the need to check off the list. And how often, instead of sitting with my wife, actually watching the show, laughing with the show with her, am I, I can get a few more things done. I don't particularly like the show anyway. Oh, I'm running up. Well, I'll just do the garbage while we're, I'm watching. Yeah, honey, I'm, I'm listening to your story. Keep talking. Hey, walk with me as we're taking the trash out. And that's what I'm saying. We all have a version of this that we don't know how to be because we want to do. And so instead of posing this on the person who you don't share their priorities, ask yourself, what would it look like for me to learn how to be with the guest of honor, not just... Honor them, serve them, do the activity of that with them. And what's so amazing about this story and this account is that Luke could have followed up with anything. He had so much material to work with. He follows up this housekeeping story about people who are and are not being with, enjoying the presence of the guest of honor. And Luke follows it up with the Lord's Prayer. The very next part of the passage says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, there's that word certain again, Jesus says, Hey, we need, it doesn't even matter where. I'm going to go enjoy my dad. Is there plenty of ministry to do? Yeah. Is there a lot of people that are sick and need healed? Yeah. But I'm going to push that activity away because I want to enjoy my dad. And when he ceased, and apparently he must have been up there praying for a while, as you're going to see in a moment, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
How in the world can you spend and enjoy so much time with God? John's taught his disciples to pray. We want to know how to do what you do with your father with God as well. We don't know how to be with God as our guest of honor. We can do ministry. We can cast out demons. We can do all kinds of stuff. But we don't know how to be with God. And Jesus then lays out the Lord's Prayer. But the version of the Lord's Prayer here is a little bit different than the one you probably grew up in your Lutheran church, your Presbyterian church, your Catholic church. It's even different from the account in Matthew. There's some nuances here. And so I want us to read through the nuances, but instead of just talking about or teaching it, I want us to do it. To participate in communing with God. So let's do this. As I read the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to guide us through it and give you a chance to reflect on and talk to your Heavenly Father. I'll begin. Jesus said, when you pray, say this. So if you want to bow your head, you can. If you want to look up the screen, that's fine too. Think about the fact that the God who made everything around you, the atoms in your body, and the stars in the sky. He doesn't just want to be your boss or your master. He wants to be your father. Repeat after me. Our father. Our father. Our father. Some of our earthly dads didn't do a great job. Some did a good job, but there were some spots they could have done better this isn't just a father this is a father from heaven the perfect father what would it be like to have a perfect father say to you I love you I repeat after me father in heaven father in heaven hallowed be your name hallowed be your name. Hallowed means reverence, awe. Wow, your name. The God who made everything is thinking about you right now. God, I want your priorities to be my priorities. I want your kingdom to come. Repeat after me. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done. God, not my priorities. God, I can think that my priorities are the right priorities and think that you should bless what I'm doing. God, I want to know where my blind spots are, where I'm missing out. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what Jesus said. Not my will, but your will be done. Repeat after me, on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. We don't want to just wait till we die to start living our eternal life. God, right now on earth, today, this week, be with me. Comfort me. Speak to me. Now Luke words this a little differently here. He says, give us day by day our daily bread. Let's say that together. Give us day by day our daily bread. God, teach us to live day by day, dependent upon you, surrendered to you, in need of you.
Now let's admit to God that we haven't got our act together. Luke says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. And (laughs) we also, because we're forgiven, forgive everyone, everyone who's indebted to us. Let's do that first part. We also forgive. For we also forgive. Think about this next word. Everyone. No holding grudges. Everyone who's indebted to us. Maybe you pause for a moment and say, God, there's an anyone, there's a someone who I can't quite put into the everyone category. Help me to forgive them the way you've forgiven me. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. But deliver us from the evil one. God, we can deceive ourselves. We don't know how to commune with you and to be with you and to enjoy you. Father, we need delivered from ourselves. We need delivered from the evil one around us. God, teach us what it is to not just work for you, but to enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand and join us. Let's continue in worship. Let's continue as reflecting on our Heavenly Father as we sing the Lord's Prayer back to Him.